0: Jim Caviezel has confirmed he will be reprising his role as Jesus in the Passion of the Christ sequel. The 49-year-old actor portrayed the Son of God in the 2004 religious epic movie, which was directed by Mel Gibson, which is focused on the last 12 hours of Christ's life beginning with the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane and finishing with his crucifixion. In 2016, Gibson revealed he was in talks to make a sequel, which will focus on Jesus coming back from the dead in accordance to the scripture in the Bible. And now Caviezel has boarded the upcoming film as well. Welcome to the Network Live. I'm your host, Debbie Rule. Today on the Network Live, we'll be hearing a portion of Jim Caviezel's testimony on the making of the Passion of the Christ, released back in 2004. Jim shares the agony and the pain he suffered during the film, such as a shoulder separation, hypothermia that led to heart surgery, and during the scourging scene, he received two accidental blows to his body, one resulting in a 14-inch gash in his back. He was also struck by lightning. The movie The Passion of the Christ had the most pre-ticket sales in film history and eventually grossed $611 million eight hundred ninety nine thousand four hundred and twenty dollars in worldwide ticket sales at the duration of the film many cast and crew members became believers even Luca Lionello atheist actor who played Judas Iscariot during the filming of the movie there were many unusual things that happened including the healing of diseases restoration of sight and a six-year-old girl the daughter of a crew member who had epilepsy and had up to 50 seizures a day was healed by having no epileptic seizures and up to this day has been able to deal with her situation. The Passion of the Christ is still one of the most watched biblical movies in history, especially during this season we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus. Here is Jim Caviezel to share more about his experience during the filming of The Passion of the Christ. Stay tuned to The Network Live.
1: And shows up, and uh, as I got to know him, that he had 15 years that he felt uh, in his heart that God was calling him to make this movie. And the next day, uh, he called me at home and he tried to talk me out of it. And uh, you know, that's how it is. You you make a commitment to Christ that you're going to do that, and then the devil comes in and sips you out, and all of a sudden. I shouldn't have had this meeting. I shouldn't have done this. I, I've I, I've done all these things and people will find out eventually that this is the kind of person I am. And uh, I can't do this movie. I'm the wrong guy. I shouldn't direct this. And so he called me and says, if you do this movie, you may never work in this town again. I don't want to be responsible for that. And, uh, I, and I felt the fear because I thought, thought of all the nice things that I have. And I realized that God had got me into this business that... My talent came from God, not from man. And so I said, look, man, we're all called to carry our own cross. If you don't pick up and carry your cross, you will be crushed by the weight of it. He got real quiet on the phone, and I said, oh, my. He said, what? I said, I just realized my initials are JC, and I'm 33 years old. And he says, God, you're freaking me out. Now I'm going to be about doing this movie was... You know, thinking that if we had done this thing in a, a controlled set, you would have never saw the, the performance. You, it was truly birthed in pain. And it immediately threw me on my face. So, right from the get-go, I had my shoulders separated. At that point, I'm thinking, you know, God, hey, hello, we're trying to do a movie here. You know, I'm an actor, <laughs> right. just an actor here. You're you're letting, you know, Give the devil <laughs> or whatever it, to... to, to Dis, destroy us. At the same time, we're getting phone, phone calls and stuff from major publications saying expressed interest that Mel Gibson is anti-Semitic. And all this stuff is compounding over and over. The cursing, the... I the, uh, remember one point, um, uh, Mel Gibson uh, he would take God's name in vain. And I would say, hey, as Jesus, and looking as Jesus, and I said... <laughs> Don't take my father's name in vain, and it was a big part of that. I don't want people to see me; I want them to see Jesus. Sure. That when people come to the theater, that what they experience is they can look right at themselves the way God sees them, not the way we see ourselves, but the way God sees us, and that's who you really are. Yeah. And so, again, I go is that the I was scourged, uh, accidentally hit with. Um, during carrying of the cross, my shoulder was dislocated. Up on the cr- cross, uh, I had—you know—I weighed 210 pounds. Uh, in the filming, I was about 168. I was so sick, I kept throwing up. I had my both lungs filled with fluid, pneumonia. After the movie was over, many people don't know, and I don't talk about it too much, but I had have to have heart surgery. So I was struck by lightning on the last shot of the day. So when I'm telling you, want to be a Christian, you know, you're in for it. During, during the uh, scourging scene on accident, uh, there's, we, we didn't really rehearse this. Uh, we had a metal plank uh, on the, on my, about a foot away from my back, right here. And I'm standing this, right here, and, and they would hit the metal plank. And then there's one, two, three cameras... Uh, on this particular day and Mel in the middle of the, the shoot because these guys don't speak English and we don't speak Italian so there's a translation problem. So he's telling Caridi, his, his assistant to translate to them to tell him to hit Jim like baseball you know like a pitcher in a baseball game. And they're like well, they don't play baseball and he's like, oh, oh I cricket. <laughs> so they, they went back here and take, took a run. Like this, sitting here like that. And they hit the metal plank, except with that momentum, the whip went over and 14-inch gash on my back. And I went right down like in a uh, football game where you get the wind knocked out of you. At that point, I'm thinking about all my sins. The, The whole part was, you know, I'm not worthy to play this role. That's a good place to be in. I told a friend of mine, that and you know he, he says well you know Jim th- God doesn't always choose the best but he chose you what are you going to do about it so you know I I was in a, a place of deep deep uh, just like in a in the zone and throughout the whole film I was always meditating and always praying the whole time and uh, uh, as you would say staying in character um, and this was important because I knew that for only the people that would be able to see Jesus is through the prayer. The daily prayer and the fasting. And the fasting was immediate because of the sickness. Um, at the end of the movie when I was on the cross, um, my body is blue. There was no makeup. My body was actually blue. They, Between takes, as I'm here, um, they would put, uh, they would take me down and every time my shoulder was locked in there was a thousand foot cliff and it would hit the cross and would snap my shoulder out of joint and I was was just beyond and at that point I was so sick that it would be ripped out and I, I honestly I could barely feel it anyway I was so gone but something was wrong with my heart and the man put a stethoscope on my heart and he said, Mel, he can die and at that point, you know, Mel, the, some of the greatest things about Mel Gibson was that he was a gambling man. And he said, Jim, what do you think? And I said, I'm I'm, I'm going to, between me and God. This is between me and God. Because I never thought I was good enough. That moment it was, I'm ready to go home. You can take me here, there's no problem. But I knew if I died making this movie, I knew that people would... So many people would be, say, at the end of the movie, I was walking up the, the, the mountainside. As I got up about halfway, everybody's in, um, everybody's in lo- location, uh, about 250 people. About halfway up, I felt this presence come over me, an evil presence, and it was, you're a dead man. And I remember thinking, this is the best news. This is where I was. This is the best news I've ever had because I know if I die, I'm going to heaven. I got to the top um, about the fifth take. The clouds were so low. The thunder and lightning was uh, the sound of a howitzer. It was so powerful that you could feel the earth move. And I saw uh, two people that were about as close as these two. Are to me, and their eyes were looking up, and they were watering, like they were going to cry. And my hair, I couldn't feel it, and I heard a huge gasp in the audience because they saw something, and I couldn't hear anything. It was like an eye of a storm. If you're in the eye of the storm, your hair could be blowing. It could be 30 knot winds, and I don't. I'd never heard heard the wind blowing. It was silence. Five seconds. Four. Three. Two. One. And this light came right down from heaven and lit me up what people witnessed was an illumination around my body and a fire on the right and left side of my head and for one moment i was looking at myself outside my body when i was hit everybody fell on their face the ground shook and um from that point that was the last shot of the movie couldn't breathe very well um the, the the obviously people when you're hung on a cross, you, you die by asphyxiation, suffocation. Yeah. Um, but I, would, I mean, physically, I, could, I was struggling. But our Lord was letting me feel a little bit of what He went through. And He was sustaining me, but to a point of, how far do you want to go with this? How, how much of, do you want the world to see of me? And I said, every bit of it. Well, then you're in for it. It's kind of like... You know, Lord, I want to drink your, can you drink the cup that I'm going, yes, we can. We can, James and John, asking mm-hmm. that we want to sit at your right and left hand side. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can make it through unless you're willing to say, it's okay if I die here at God I want to give my life for something. And there's nothing better for me than to give my life for Jesus Christ and for years of being, feeling enslaved. And going up like that was, bring it on. I look at not just our Lord's death, which was for all, but understand that the modern day Christians, they say to me, but Jesus did that. Yes, true, He did do that for you. And so He did it, I don't have to. I said, okay, well, why did Peter have to then do it? And why did John have to do it? Why did all the rest of the apostles have to then, why did they have to sacrifice themselves? Jesus had done that. What about all the martyrs of the 20th century? What about Christians that I've heard and, and done documentaries to where they were executed at the foot of Muslims that are executing your brothers and sisters right now? Where is our Lord with them? Does He hate them? We cannot continue as Christians to sit here and say, well, I'll only be a Christian if it's about pro- prosperity, You know th- that, that we have plenty I, I want you anyway. You can pray for them. That's the way it's going to be. But understand, people are going to choose evil, but you don't. And the devil is going to sift you out. He's going to look right now. Where are you weak? I can get this guy a million bucks, and he'll turn. Ten million for this guy, fifty over here. But they all turn. They all say, "Well, choice, choice, my freedom to choose." Every generation of Americans needs to know that freedom exists not to do what you like, but having the right to do what you ought. If You want to look at it this way. The problem I see right now is the fact that many, many Christians have immersed themselves in paganism. They want to be cool to their Christian, or pagan friends by being a little pagan, so they can be cool. There's nothing cool in this. The only thing lacking in you, in you is that you, didn't, you don't want to be holy. Well, here's what will happen. We'll all come to task one day. And you either get a chance to lay it down for Jesus, or you get to deny him. But it will come in our generation this way. There are many things that you see on the horizon right now where you're going to have to make a choice. You will have to make a choice. I was in Croatia recently. There were 26 Roman Catholic priests, Franciscans, 26 of them. Stalin had taken over, we had sold out. We gave Stalin the whole East, Eastern Europe, and many people paid for this, paid with their lives. The communists came in, they took the crucifix down, they put it down, and they said, deny this to the priest, deny this or you'll, d- you'll die they executed him. He said, no, I won't deny it. Shot the second guy too. By that time, the captain said, bring my jeep over, take the gasoline. Grab the most weakest man here, the man in the wheelchair, Franciscan. Pour the gasoline on him. He lit a match. He says, you guys want to see this? And he looks to his brothers and he says, let me burn. They burned him and they shot the rest of them. But they all had a chance. Now, is that hard to hear? Is the passion hard to watch? Your death is imminent. I hear people all the time in Hollywood, they say, you know what? My agent just died. And he was so embarrassed by his death, he didn't want anybody coming in. Because it was, it was very hard for those people to watch. Well, guess what? Suck it up. We need Christians to go look death in the face and understand the next point. To encourage these people to understand that eternity awaits them We're all going to die the first death. Hopefully not the second. God never sends a man to hell. People choose this place. And seeking an answer to this question, can society exclude moral truth and moral reasoning? Set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation, my brothers and sisters. You weren't made to fit in. You were born to stand out. Jesus will forgive and He has mercy. And the greatest of mercy... I don't think even we understand what mercy is or what grace is. You can't be an Olympic athlete. You can't be a world champion by practicing once a week. You have to take Jesus Christ into your life every day. It's it's not, it's, it's, it's who you are. He's a part of you. He wants to be with you all the time. He's the greatest coach there ever was. But he's that coach that when you fall down, he's like, Get up, man. Go. And does he push you? Absolutely. He wants much from you. He's the one that encourages you to fast. To not just pray once a week, but to pray every day. And then once you're praying every day, you change the workout. Because you can do more, can't you? Yes. And He wants more. He demands more. And you want it. And after you make it, you get there. There's more and more. And it's a continual thing, even in heaven, on earth, as it is in heaven. Guys, our Father is real. real. The gospel is real. It's not something that you just put away. You read this, it's now. The gospel. Some of you are going to play the Virgin Mary. Some of you play Jesus. Some of you will play his betrayer, Judas. And some of you will be Pilate, the politician. Who are you? God will tell you. And then you move in the direction of holiness every day. You're in the car. You're depressed. Right now we're going through a time period where things are being stripped from us. And they will. And it's good. Because you understand, you don't need all the things that we've been given. They aren't a uh, given right. They're going to be stripped. We're living in this time right now where the world is going to be fasting and it's going to get hard before it gets better. But God, the people need to see God in you. They need to be a light. because You need to be that light. Because they're going to see you and they're going to think suicide is the way out. But they see you. They want that. Yeah. This every day, the Word of God. So it's a 160-piece orchestra. It's 5.1 sound like a movie theater. You feel the Holy Spirit go through you. The Word of God comes alive. And everybody's going to look at you and believe me, they'll be asking you, what what are you on? You'll be on Jesus Christ. I will tell you how I know that God loves you this much and how I know that you're all going to heaven. Some of you have had abortions. Some men here and women are adulterers. Some have committed murder. Some of you didn't have the abortion, but you paid for it. So you have contributed to this. Many people are part of this great sin in this country. Over 50 million in the United States alone. 45 million die every year in the world. These are all God's children, and God brings them home. Now, He wants to bring you home, now, in this moment. This is a chance for heaven right now. You don't have to wait to die to experience heaven. But when you committed the sin, any of the Ten Commandments, or the sin of abortion, or contributed to it, let me be very clear. Did you go to one of your friends and ask your friend, Hear my story. And you say, yes, I went to one person. I said, why do you go to this person to confide in this sin to them? Because they didn't judge me. Because they loved me. Because I felt mercy and grace. Now, I ask you this. Do you think that your God doesn't have more mercy than your friend? Do you think your friend has more grace than God? Does your friend have more love than the Creator? It can never be. It can never be. So, God forgives you. And now He needs you to begin again. To accept forgiveness. Earlier I said, God never sends a man into hell. People choose this place. Your choice God made you and loves you. There's never been another like you. He deemed that you would come here. He asked you and you came. Today, you came. You had the courage to come. And there was plenty parts of the world that pulled you from today from even coming, but you came. Don't you know how much God will remember this? Do you think He is a, a God that's just sitting there waiting to toss you off? You are perfect. There is no one else like you. And without you, he would cry. So he's coming to you now. Right now, in this moment. All he has to hear from you is yes. Yes, you've accepted Jesus, some of you. Keep accepting him. Every time we sin, we deny him. Be holy. Be perfect just as my Father is perfect. In the Passion,
2: Ozina Otiabui Kuma Bezrati shamareni Meresha, the Shere Tamanua lie. The Hakasayanoshi Adanai, the Hakisiti, the Cup Tokti. Henkehel Kosi de Mini. Hokken Lakis <laughs> far. Lehue de Lakis far. Milatil Komarehema Hakihida my commandment to you is this you love one another just as I have loved you and if that doesn't grab you maybe this one will your name may not appear down here in this world's hall of fame in fact you may be so unknown that no one knows your name The Oscars and the praise of men may never come your way, but don't forget God has rewards that he'll hand out someday. This crowd on earth, they will soon forget when you're not at the top. They will cheer like mad until you fall, and then their praise will stop. Not God, he never does forget, and in his hall of fame, by just believing on his son, forever there's your name. I tell you, friend, I wouldn't trade my name, however small. It's written there beyond the stars in that celestial hall. For all the famous names on earth, or the glory that they share, I'd rather be an unknown here and have my name up there. God bless you.
0: Happy Easter from all of us at the Network Live as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, today and every day. Remember that His love, grace, and mercy are forever. Forever will He be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you would like to give your life to Christ, say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you are the Son of God, born to a virgin, and that you rose again, and that you are alive. I am giving my life to you today and for each day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you with his favor. And may you feel and walk in his peace today and every day to come. I leave you with this song in the conclusion of our program today, forever. If you would like more information about being a guest on The Network Live, contact us at thenetworklive.org. The Network Live will be back next week at 10 a.m. right here on KNEO Radio 95.3 FM and KNEOradio.com. I'm Debbie Rule. Thank you for listening today.